right, y'all. Welcome to Love and Color. I'm Eli, and this is... Katrina. Peace and blessings. All right. And this is our first episode of Love and Color. And today, we're just going to be talking about some of the basics, telling you who we are, and what's going to come next in this wonderful podcast of ours. So today, we're going to start at the beginning. And Katrina, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what brought you to non-monogamy? Ooh, okay. I can do that. Well, usually I start with my professional credentials because I'm used to doing that, but I'm not going to do that today. Today, I'm going to start with the fact that I'm a Leo. Oh, Very much a lion, born in August. I love the water. I love being on the beach, and I love playing my djembe drum. It is amazing and super healing for me. But then also in my professional life, I'm a clinical psychologist. I have specialties in trauma and sex therapy, and I have a private practice. And I run my private practice through an organization that I co-founded with my partners called Niles Edge Healing Arts Center. And Niles Edge is all about decolonizing the way that we see health and wellness and allowing black people to be able to have the space to heal with practitioners that understand them and look like them and use alternative healing methods, healing methods that our ancestors used to be well. And so that's a little about me, but now I think we are going to hear from Eli and see what he's about. Yeah, that's a that's a tough act to follow, and that's good work. <laughs> and uh, just as a side note, there's a lot of fire right now in this booth because I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, uh oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think the way it breaks down with fire signs is Leo is look at me, look at me. Sagittarius <laughs> is where's the party. Aries is I'm gonna burn this shit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds right. Right. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, it's it's the two. It's a two right fire signs and in the booth right now. Yes. Um. Like I said, I'm Eli, and uh, gosh, normally I also start with what I do professionally, but COVID has changed that somewhat. Mm. So I'm gonna start with um, who I am outside of work, and I am a dad. I am a partner to two amazing people, and I am doing this podcast. Uh, this is kind of my, my post-pandemic project. Mm-hmm. I play the drums. I ride a motorcycle. I scuba dive. I, I feel like I'm grooming myself to be an international man of leisure. That's sort of Ooh. my job that I want when I grow up. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I am an attorney by day. Um, an ambulance chaser, uh, to be precise, but you know, got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I've been non-monogamous in various forms for the last, ooh, give or take, not counting the cheating seasons, <laughs> give or take, <laughs> like about twelve years. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, yeah. Around the same time, probably about 10 years, I've been practicing non-monogamy ethically. And most of the time I have noticed that I wind up in triad situations where I have two partners, which as I reflected, as I got older, I think that's because I also had two siblings I grew up with. And that triad like pyramid structure feels really good. So that's generally how I I wind up being in non-monogamy and my current situation as well. Okay. Well, I am going to assume that there are at least some people listening who might not know all the words that Dr. Katrina just said, (laughs) including triad, ethical non-monogamy. We're going to go and we're going to be breaking those terms down um, throughout this episode and certainly going into more depth about some of them throughout this season. Um, But in the meantime, thank you. Thank you for that, Dr. Yeah. Katrina. Can I call you Dr. Katrina or is it Katrina? Dr. Sanford? Um, I think <laughs> my favorite Doctor. is Dr. Katrina or Dr. Okay. K. Those oh. those are fun for me. I kind of like Dr. Katrina. I'm going to okay. go with that. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so for me, as I did mention, there was a cheating season. <laughs> 
I, I want you to explain that, though, a little bit, Eli, just so I'm clear about what a cheating season is. I was a cheater. <laughs> okay, I was, okay. It was, it was my, clear. But. It was my fuckboy season, right? <laughs> um, but this, this is, I was in my, I was in my 20s, and uh, for context, I'm 41. I know not a day past perfection, mm. but I mm-hmm. am 41, and... When I was in my 20s, this this was before a lot of the language around non-monogamy became more commonplace. And there just, you know, there wasn't really a community for that. I didn't know that it was even possible to be with more than one person and have it be not a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I was acting out of a lack of skills and youth and horniness. Um but then I, with the person who is now my ex-wife, we were together and then we decided to open up our relationship mm-hmm. in a way that I feel like I've heard from a lot of people where they start off by having these little, like, okay, maybe when you're traveling or, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it's not someone of the, like, that's the same gender or the opposite gender. You know, so so we had, like, a few like workarounds to kind of dip our toe in the non-monogamy pool. Yeah. Um, And then as time went on, those agreements started to expand until we were in a full-on polyamorous relationship. Now, the marriage ended up ending in just a fantastic ball of fire. And I'm sure in various, yeah, in various tea times to come, we'll, we'll talk about that. But it wasn't, it was not because we were polyamorous. Okay, because I know that's that's a myth that a lot of people have is that, wow, okay, you've been together and now you go into polyamory and that means the relationship is basically over. And I was going to ask that just to check in. Yeah, no, and, and that's why I mentioned it because that's oftentimes the, the comment that I get back, you know, when I lay out the timeline for people like, oh, well, polyamory ruined your marriage. It's like, no, I, I married someone who I'd known since I was 19 and we were stopping each other's growth. And mm. the polyamory was or the or the non-monogamy actually was an attempt at seeing if we could save the relationship, actually. Mm-hmm. I, it, it prolonged things is what it did. Mm-hmm. Um so that was that's the sort of journey into non-monogamy. And currently I am in my my constellation, as I like to call it, consists of, like I said, two um two amazing rock solid women. Um one has been in and you know both of them, funny enough, separately. <laughs> I do. It was very odd. I, the community is just like uh like a teacup teacups uh, worth of of people here um i've been with one for three years and she has another partner anchor partner is how we refer how we refer to each other and then my other partner i've been with for one year and um she has another anchor partner, as well as a new pony in her staple, which has caused quite the dust up, which again, we'll we'll be spilling that tea later. (laughs) Um, And then I have a few pinch hitters, as I call them, those people I call up when, you know, the need arises. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's nice to have them. Oh, God. Lord's work, the Lord's work. <laughs> so what about you? You mentioned partners, multiple partners. Tell us a little bit about what you have going on, what your constellation looks like. Yeah. So funny enough, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not because it's fresh, but I'm in a triad, but technically it's no longer a triad because one of my partners has decided that she needs to move on and mm. and do her thing on her own, which, you know. Do you? It doesn't feel good. I'll tell you that. Um, But up until two weeks ago, it was a triad and there were, you know, I have two partners and we live together. We also are raising a daughter. Um, The cutest baby on the planet. Adorable. By the way. Y'all don't even know. Facts. Y'all don't even know. Mm, Such a cutie. And she's one. So um, 
you know, this might be something to talk about in future episodes, but breakups, you know, I'm, I'm currently going through that. And I, I happen to be married to the partner that no longer wants to be a part of the triad. And so that also adds a lot of complication onto just how it works and, and, and all of the things. And I'm figuring out all that now. Um, but it's, it's been interesting, but triads have been the formation that's felt really good for me. Um, and my other partner and I are going to stay together and keep doing our poly non-monogamous life, which is wonderful. Um, and both of them are truly amazing. And although there's a breakup happening, you know, luckily it's, it's not, no one's super mad. We're just kind of like, okay, that sucks and our lives are changing. So what is this going to look like and how are we going to adjust based on where we're at and where we want to go? Um, but I'm thankful that love is still there and, and that we're able to move through this in a loving way because, you know, there's a lot of relationships where, you know, that breakup is, uh, like you said, potential <laughs> dumpster fire that you can't put out. So yes. <laughs> I'm thankful. Ooh, I am so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, is everyone breaking up? Like no one, well, two people out of the three are maintaining a relationship and one is walking away from, from both. both. I yep. see. Okay. Exactly. Oh, that is hard. I mean, I, and I hear you about the triads. I, I, I like the concept and I, I personally have never been in a triad that's been romantical. Hmm, like okay. I'm, I'm kind of in yeah. a weird triad-like relationship with my – the girl, we'll call her the girl, the one that I've been with for three years, mm -hmm. and her other partner, Alex, except that Alex and I are not in a sexual relationship at all. Yeah. The term I have for him is bruv. Right, <laughs> I B like R U V, bruv. Yes. Right, bro, that I love. love yeah, but I it's like it. it's 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 a different dynamic than just a friend because he's kind of under this relationship umbrella. Like I'm in mm -hmm. a relationship with him, even though it's not like the same kind of relationship I'm in with our mutual partner. But it's it feels like a triad. It is. I mean, not yeah. all triads have to be like sexual, right? And we're going to talk about this later on, but relationship anarchy, right? And the the different types of relationships you can ha relationships you can have with different people, and what you're looking for with certain people. So it sounds like you all have a nice setup there, and it doesn't. Again, polyamory, non monogamy is not traditional, right? So why have things within it be traditional? You know, let it look like what what feels right for you and, and what everybody's comfortable with. So that's right. cool. I'm glad you have that. Well, and that is <clears throat> that's a really good segue into talking about what it is that led you into this type of lifestyle. Like what what was it? <laughs> and then maybe we can talk about some of the pros and cons within that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, you know, this was 10 years ago and I'm, you know, in Chicago in grad school and I didn't have a cheating phase necessarily, but I had <laughs> a phase of enjoying connecting with others. Uh, <laughs> Is that a phase? Is that really a phase though? That seems like a lifetime thing. Yeah. Heard. Okay. So, you know, I, I was doing my business when I was in grad school and in, enjoying intimacy with many ladies Sorry if you're listening to this, mom. Uh, <laughs> and what's interesting is I was definitely coming into myself and figuring out who I was and what I wanted. And for most of my life, you know, I grew up around a lot of white people. And so I dated white women for a very long time. Um, and as I started decolonizing and sort of connecting more with my black roots and who I am and how the world treats us, I was like, hmm. I think I need to start dating black women. So I was like, okay, cool. Get on the dating app. Let's see what's good. I connected with this amazing woman and, you know, we went on a few dates and then she was like, you want to meet my girlfriend? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll meet your girlfriend. And we connected and she, the one that's my wife, this is her, the, the, the girlfriend, um, which is funny. I met her through her girlfriend at the time. And so- 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. I know. It was cool. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dating is hard um, sometimes, but that was actually pretty easy. Thank you for that disclaimer. <laughs> Dating is hard. It is. <laughs> yeah, and then I, you know, I met the girlfriend, which is now the wife and ex-wife, soon to be. Um, I have which, one, too. You're delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and then all three of us were just like, okay, let's see what this looks like. And so all three of us were together for a while. Um, the the first one I met, the first woman I met, you know, she wound up wanting to, to break up as well and, you know, do her life and, and take care of herself in ways that she couldn't do with us, which was, you know, totally fine. You got to do what you got to do. Um, and then... Uh, wifey and I were like, okay, so we're doing this. So let's let's keep it up. What does this look like? And, you know, we've, we've gone through the years having many experiences with both of us dating other people and really trying to figure out, you know, what our triggers are and dealing with insecurity and jealousy, which are all things that we will talk about, I'm sure, on other versions of our, our podcast, other episodes. In but, depth. Yeah, because it needs to happen. But that's how I got into it. And then from there, it just sort of was like, okay, cool. This is the lifestyle. And, you know, I really got into it because I was kind of getting sick. I like the idea of having a lifelong partner, someone you grow with and connect with and live with, you know, and someone who supports you on a daily. I really like that. And so monogamy was okay for me because of that. But the other side of it was... I'm very much a, a sexual person. I'm a flirt. And I had a lot of partners who assumed that that kind of behavior was leading to cheating. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not that person. Like I, I just don't, I don't cheat, you know, it happens, but the, I just didn't get in that situation. And so I'm laughing right now because I literally had the same conversation with Queen B, my other partner yeah. this morning really? about the flirting. Not, not that she was mad at me, but I was <laughs> I was relaying to her that I had a previous relationship <clears throat> where my partner would just get really bent out of shape about me flirting. Mm. But it's just like, that's just how I communicate. I'm just a yeah. flirt. It's not, I'm actually trying to pursue something with that person. I'm just trying to, I want that person to like crack a smile or, you know, yeah. it's not even about that. So I, I feel you. Yeah, there ain't <laughs> nothing wrong with flirting. You no. know, it makes everybody feel good. Well, yeah. you know, when it's welcomed. Sure. It certainly does. And, right. it, and it's fun. And I'm a flirt and I would flirt and it would be a problem. And that wasn't cool for me because it felt like ownership, which you and I were talking about before we even started. This was like that idea of ownership and not really liking that. No, no. I was talking about that with Chris, not you, mm. um, Chris earlier. Yeah. I also feel that way, though. So. OK, yeah. And, and not wanting to be owned. And that was becoming a problem with a lot of the women that I was dating and was like this ain't this ain't it this ain't it so I moved on to non-monogamy like I made an intentional conscious choice to do so well it sounds like not only did you make an intentional conscious choice but you you went from wearing those you know little kids you know because you have a little a little one and they're learning how to swim and they're wearing the little the little wings, the little inflatable wings. Yeah. You went from that to I'm going to high dive <laughs> into the deepest end yeah. of the pool yeah. <laughs> and execute it with the, like the minimal amount of splash. I mean, so you went <laughs> straight from I'm being monogamous to I'm going to be in a triad. Like, that's, that's, that's some, like, PhD level shit right there. You know, it just felt right. Yeah. Stepping into it, I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, you know, you find a cute jacket at the store and you're like, oh, this fits perfectly. It's like I got it tailored. And I was like, yes, this is what's supposed to be happening. Right. Yeah. Okay. I feel you. I feel you on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you? How did you get, well, you did mention earlier how you sort of got into it. With, with your wife. I, I wonder, though, about the those conversations and how, because I know there are plenty of people who, out there who are like, oh, man, I want to talk to my partner about opening up, but, like, I'm super nervous about it. This is going to blow up, and I don't want to cause that. So I'm curious of what that looked like for you. Listen, as, a, as an aside, I, and I'll, I'll answer that question, but as an aside, I was um, in Atlanta uh, 
a few months ago visiting for a conference and I was visiting a cousin down there and I was telling her and her husband about the podcast and they'd taken me out to um, like lunch and we're heading back to the hotel and I'm telling them about the podcast <laughs> and he looks at her and he's like, yeah, I've been wanting to, I've been wanting to try that. <laughs> <laughs> And she just whips around at him, Uh-oh. and I'm sitting in the back seat like, "Ooh, <laughs> baby, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be here for this." But it, it was interesting. You gave like, him that opening. He I was did. like, "Yes, yeah, he did." It. And he was ready. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Her head whipped around so fast, and, and so you know, I'm sitting there in the back seat as they're going back and forth with each other, and she's expressing her fears, and he's just like, "Yeah, that's not really anything that you you should worry about." And and then I was reflecting back. Oh, and but then the other thing is, so I start this. And then it's just very shortly after we pull up at my hotel and I'm like, okay, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your conversation, Bye. y'all. Bye. <laughs> it was definitely like one of those, like you see the action movies and the people are walking away slowly from the building that's like now being consumed by flames <laughs> yes. in the background. And I'm like, yes. oh, here's my stop. <laughs> but it, it did, it definitely did bring to mind a lot of the conversations that um, ex-wifey and I had at the time. And it was me who started it because I was feeling really stifled. And like I loved her and I still do, like mm-hmm. very much so. We share a child together. We're still very close. She lives down the street. We kick it. But like I said, we had been together since we had teen on the end of our, yeah. our, our ages, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So there was a lot of growing that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And we had just kind of like congealed into this form that wasn't allowing for growth for either of us. Right. So a lot of the conversations that we had around it were, okay, this, this is going to be potentially an opportunity for us to really like solidify and grow as people and as a couple like this is going mm-hmm. to be the the escape valve for that extra steam that's been building up yeah. over the years that was that's that was really where where it started and she was very hesitant because she was monogamous minded and then I dropped it, you know, and then she found somebody that she was interested in sleeping with. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know what I mean? Then it was like, <laughs> hold up, let me let me reconsider this. Um, and it was an epic. I'm not going to say a failure because there was a lot there were a lot of lessons learned, but it was a disaster. Hmm. It was just, it was just okay. messy. Yeah. You know, the. 4 a.m. in the morning conversations and like crying Mm -hmm. and arguing, calling at work like, what are you doing? We need to talk right now. I know you're like in the middle of your work day, but this is bothering me. We need to fix it immediately. Like that kind of thing. And again, it wasn't the polyamory or or the non-monogamy. The non-monogamy highlighted the cracks that already existed in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we, if we want to start talking about pros and cons, you know, I, I feel like that's one of those things that you could easily put in both columns, which what exactly the fact that it will, when you, when you start branching into non-monogamy, um, you have to start paying more attention to your relationship. There's yeah. no such thing as set it and forget it in a non-monogamous context. If you want, if if you want your life to go smoothly, I mean, if you like your life being a dumpster fire, then by all means, <laughs> set it and forget it. <laughs> and then you know, please, you know, send us an email and let us know how that's working for you. Right. I'm guessing not well. Right. Okay. So, so it takes more effort. So that's kind of a con. But the pro is, I think the results that you get from that intentionality, you know, is oftentimes worth it. What would you say about that? I hear that. You know, I think when you are more intentional, like you can't, like you said, you can't not pay attention. 
once you move into non-monogamy or polyamory, because now all these other things come up and boundaries have to be set and you have to learn your partner's boundaries and, and needs that aren't being met and all of these things. And so you, you have to hyper pay attention now. Well, not have to, I guess not everybody does, like you said, but like, it's important that you do. Right. And because you are now paying attention on such a significant level, you know, it, it supports your ability with your partner to actually grow and to maybe be closer and more intimate, but also to learn each other. Because let's, let's really think about it, y'all. How many of y'all go on dates and you ask all of these questions of someone? What are your needs? What boundaries do you have? What is it you want from this connection that we have here? No, people don't ask that. One, because maybe it's a little intense on the first few dates, but it is highly important. Highly important to know those things, right? But we don't really go there with people. And then you wind up down the road and you're like, oh, that's a need of yours. I should have told you a year ago I wasn't going to be able to meet that. My bad, you know? Is that a first date situation, though? <laughs> well, depends on how you date, I guess. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> Not a first date, but dating, right? Yeah, sure. Right. I think there's so many things that we take for granted because of the script hmm. that we're given, yep. the monogamy script. I mean, we've all seen the Disney movies and the rom-coms. I call them crappy sappies. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we, know, we know the narrative. We know or we think we know how things are supposed to work, like the general trajectory of a relationship. Right. And, oh, he's not jealous. Oh, he must not love me. You know, the, there, there are so many things, so many toxic things that have seeped into popular culture and are just the collective consciousness as love. Agreed. Especially jealousy. Yeah. And, and that is something, you know, when we talk about, when I, when I think about why I am in this life in non-monogamy, it is in large part to be subversive. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like loving more than one person and living in a way that suits me is a revolutionary act. It is me taking control of me Mm -hmm. and my narrative. It is, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, yes, it is about like wanting to love more than one person, but it's also about just like wanting to shake the shackles off. Like, no, this shit is not working for me. Let me tell you what is. <laughs> and that that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of it for me is that just that autonomy. Yeah. Well, and you know what the thing is, is that <clears throat> it's funny because there's such a stigma around non-monogamy and polyamory in, in our society. However, this type of relationship Stuff has been going on forever. Tell it. African cultures, I mean, still happening too, right? Clearly. There are plenty of um, uh, African uh, people who are involved in this type of stuff. And, you know, Africans were the first for everything, you know. Uh, So that stuff was happening then. And it it was, you know, a lot of the, the emotions and stuff that gets caught up with us didn't get caught up in the same way when that was happening because it was like, okay, well, there there are several people relating and growing and supporting in a village, in a community, raising children. You know, it made sense. You 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 don't just sit in your silos, you know, you you have other people who are involved. Right. And so, you know, there's many of cultures that were doing this, but American culture is conservative, you know, it's founded by Puritans and And individualistic as well. That too. That too. And because of that, we, many of us will not follow through with our truth because we're afraid if we don't conform, then us being social beings will be shunned and pushed out of the village, if you will. And that's scary for a lot of people. But to me, what's scarier is living a life that doesn't feel good to you. Oh, that's terrifying. I mean, that would, people end their lives over things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. not being able to live their truth. Their truths. So, I mean, that's powerful. And actually, as you were talking, it 
brought me to my real origin story, like the okay. like the root of the root. So you you were talking about African cultures and how they've been doing this and are still doing this. So my family's from the West Indies. My my mom's from Trinidad and my dad's from Jamaica. Um, and my grandmother lived in Trinidad until I was maybe about 14 or 15. <clears throat> my great-grandmother passed away and she was alone. And so it was like, we got a grandma can't be by herself. She's kind of mm-hmm. losing touch with things. So we went down there to pack up her stuff and move her up to the States to live with us. And I was there when her and my grandfather saw each other for the last time in this life. And my grandfather had two families. He had my family that he had with my grandmother and, you know, my mom and her siblings. And then he had another family and both women knew about each other. Both kids knew about each other. They Mm -hmm. lived separately. But, I mean, here he was (laughs) doing this before there was a word for this. It was just like, yeah, I love these two women. I'm I'm taking care of these two families. These are my these are all my kids. Like, yeah, this this is it. And when. He came to say goodbye to this woman that he had loved for a lifetime. They were sitting away away. So, you know, my mom and I couldn't hear what they were saying, but we could see. We could see them. Mm -hmm. And the love that was passing between the two of them was palpable. And I mean, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. And and I thought to myself then at 14 or 15, this is what I want. You know, I, I mm-hmm. want I want that at the end of all. That. I, I want to sit and just hold somebody's hand and have them like look at me with that look in their eyes like that's everything. And the fact that, you know, he, he was able to have that and share that with her while also still sharing that with another person, and another family. I was just like, well, well, damn, you know, it's possible because here it is happening. And what a beautiful thing to see it as a was, teenager. It was beautiful. It was definitely like a formative moment for me. Like it, it really did. That was when I was like, well, this is possible and I want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, t- it took me, you know, a good 50, uh, maybe like a decade or so after that to, you know, to get to that point. But, you know, I'm there. Yeah. We're approaching there. You know, yeah. I'm not. I'm not not at the end yet. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, man, if if all of us could have had those beautiful examples of what different types of families could look like, it would have given more of us an opportunity earlier yeah. to recognize what feels right for us and to move towards that. And you know we're we're definitely hoping to accomplish some of that in this podcast. We're we are both of us are parents, mm-hmm. um, raising our daughters in these non monogamous uh, family structures, and you know we're, we're definitely going to be talking about that during the course of of this podcast because I think mm-hmm. it's I think there are other folks out here wondering how to navigate these waters. Um, because it is complicated. There is no roadmap. <laughs> that's, that's again, that's a pro and it's a con. Right. There's no roadmap, so you're free to chart your own course, but there's no roadmap, so you have to chart your own course. <laughs> and, then, and then if you have trouble, then who are you turning to for a resource? Because, you know, it's not like, you know, some of us are fortunate enough to live in places and have community where mm-hmm. there are a lot of other poly or non-monogamous people around. And then some of us, um, I'd, I'd say the vast majority of us, um, there are a dearth of resources. You know, you tell your non-monogamous friend that you're having trouble in your or you, you tell your monogamous friend that you're having trouble in your non-monogamous relationship, you know, chances are fair to good mm-hmm. that they're going to say, well, you know, I don't know why you're doing this crazy thing in the first place. Like, right. you need to just cut this out. It's all because you're you're non-monogamous. And that's just, there's mm-hmm. so many other reasons. <laughs> monogamous relationships also have problems. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. I dare somebody to right. tell me I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> For real. 
goodness. Well, you know, I feel like this would be a good time for us to go over some definitions. Yes. Uh, just non-monogamy and what different types there are and what it looks like for some people. But like Eli said, the like really cool part is that it allows for the flexibility for you to decide what it looks like in your life and, and what it looks like with having other people and, and how to move into those gray areas with a little bit of grace. So maybe we'll start with non-monogamy. What, what's non-monogamy for you, Eli? What do you think? Well, non-monogamy is, I think about it in terms of an umbrella term that encompasses <clears throat> several different relationship structures that involve more than just two people, either physically and or romantically. And so non-monogamy includes things like polyamory, swinging, um, mm-hmm. non-hierarchical relationships. It's it's an umbrella term that encompasses mm-hmm. a lot. Of friends with benefits. Friends with benefits. No, I know y'all be out there doing the friends with benefits thing. That's I under that term too. Those are my pinch hitters. And if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, pinch hitters. I love it. I love it. Uh, that also includes, you know, like kink and play partners, you know, all, all the things that, that we do that doesn't involve just being with one person and 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 that is what you do with your life, pretty much. And I'd say, you know, it, it runs the gamut, right? There, it, There's a spectrum in non-monogamy, and mm-hmm. I would say that that spectrum runs from very casual to very not casual. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the relationship formats, the non-monogamous relationship formats that I'd say fall a little bit more under the casual category um, would include, and, and, and this is, just to be clear, this is with no judgment at all. There's nothing wrong with casual. Um, and, and less casual forms of non-monogamy aren't um, inherently better than other forms. Mm-hmm. But the casual forms would include the swingers, the friends with benefits, um, the the travel clauses or the don't <laughs> ask, don't tell, yeah. the kink play partners. And then on the less casual end of the spectrum, you have your polyamory. And even within polyamory, there are different forms of polyamory. So it is very possible that you are, you know, you're making a connection with someone and they are saying that they are polyamorous, but they might not be the same poly (laughs) that you are. It's kind of like, you know, somebody who speaks Spanish. Um, but one person is from Mexico and the other person is from like Spain mm-hmm. and it's like, well, it's both Spanish, but <laughs> like they Lost might. Lost in translation there a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so within poly, you know, you have your solo poly, your hierarchical poly, non-hierarchical relationship anarchy. Um, and those are terms that we can go into a little bit more. Katrina, do you want to take a stab at fleshing some of those out? Yeah. I mean, the, the solo poly is, you know, the word solo. So an individual that is polyamorous and doesn't necessarily have like long-term consistent partners, you, you can, but not necessarily. And you enjoy the people that you are dating and, and not necessarily connected to other um, relationship structures with other people. You're just kind of out there doing your thing, which, you know, can look like regular dating for some people. Um, The hierarchy model is, which is also a model that I, I really enjoy because I need, I like to have strict boundaries for myself and for my home. And like, even with like friends or romantic partners is like, if you're a friend, you're a friend and my friends, I don't connect with in a romantic way. And I like to have that, that boundary there. Um, because again, I'm a flirt. And when, <laughs> when that's, when, you know, the emotions start flying and stuff and the physicality starts happening, at least for me, I'm like, 
uh, no, we're friends. You know, we need to not do that. I need that space for that. But for me personally, I like having, you know, two primary partners and they're the people that, you know, I'll raise children with, that I'll have a household with, that I need to check with their schedules before I can schedule something with someone else who I might be dating outside of my triad. That That's more the hierarchy uh, model. Like I said, I enjoy but then there's also non-hierarchy. And and I, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's my jam. <laughs> right on. That is my jam. I, 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 I have really good boundaries, but I do like a high degree of integration. And again, as I stated before, a lot of autonomy. And I mm-hmm. feel like, so with ex-wifey, we had a hierarchical relationship like everyone else she was the primary and everyone else had to sort of fall in line behind her Mm -hmm. and that's like great in theory but it's like my heart isn't necessarily going to follow those rules and you know then the the times where I did end up forming really strong emotional bonds with people Mm -hmm. you know I'd feel guilty about it because it would be well this isn't the agreement but it's like can you make an agreement for how you're going to feel (laughs) you can make an agreement about what you're going to do or not do but like I for me personally making an agreement an agreement about how I was going to feel was not sustainable I was setting myself up to fail Mm -hmm. essentially yeah So at this point, I am non-hierarchical, which means for me, and, you know, there there might be different definitions for this, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, this means that I am bucking the whole relationship escalator. I am bucking the idea that I need to have a primary. Mm-hmm. I have anchor partners. You know, I'm not going to say that someone that I like one of my pinch hitters is just all of a sudden going to be more important to me than these two women that have like mm-hmm. been solidly in my life, you know, for three years and, you know, one year respectively. Like they are anchors. They mm-hmm. are like pretty solid features in my everyday. I rely on them for emotional and physical sustenance. But there, there is a possibility that I could have other people in that role alongside them. Right. I'm polysaturated right now. (laughs) So that's not going to happen as a practical matter, but it could theoretically. And I like having that flexibility there, even if it is just theoretical. Yeah. And I I mean, I think you bring up something really important is that whether you're in a hierarchical or non-hierarchical polyamory makeup or structure, like there still needs to be that flexibility there because you don't tell your heart what it wants. It tells you. And if you have no flexibility there, then it doesn't allow you to be able to like truly love and date and be with people in a way that feels right for you. Right. And And what feels right for you is important, but also having these discussions with your partners. And in my opinion, having them sooner rather than later, I think some people like to like hold back and wait and see. I'm not the wait and see kind of person. I'm like, here's what happened today. And here's where it might be going. Just so you're aware this, this happened, Okay, you know, and other people are a little less like open in that way. And they kind of wait and see. And, and for me, I want to know what's happening right away. Cause I can tell when there's new relationship energy happening, or I can tell if my partner is spending a lot of time thinking about or texting or calling someone else. Like, I'm a psychologist. I watch behavior. <laughs> oh, my. I know when something's happening. And so for me, it is easier if my partners agree to it to just say what's happening when it's happening instead of just holding it back. Because I'm like, I know something's going on. You're going to make me have to come to you? Okay, if I have to come to you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, for, for those of you listening and not watching... I, my eyes rolled all the way to the back of my head when Katrina just said that, <laughs> because I, I definitely, I 
my one of my partners is a therapist, and I definitely have that feeling where I'm like, I can't get away with <laughs> shit. I went to go visit her the other day in Chicago, and I def- I felt away on the plane, just like I felt like mm-hmm. kind of weird and disconnected. And I was like giving myself this big pep talk all the way, like as the plane was taxiing and like on my way to get the baggage. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna be cool. I'm gonna be normal. I got this. I'm fine. And I get in the car. <laughs> And we haven't even left the airport yet. She's like, what's wrong with you? You're not right. (laughs) Get out of my head. Get out of there. Um, (laughs) But yeah, anyway, I digress. (laughs) This is why flexibility is important and knowing who you're dating is important. (laughs) Right. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. No, she got me. She got me good. Um, But to, (laughs) to cycle back, though, to your your main point um which i like kind of twists and turns let's get us back to it like what what were you saying though about yeah i mean so like the the main point is is like communication is different for every person and what someone wants to know how they want to know it when they want to know it all of those things are important and especially in making sure that like there's respect with people's boundaries and needs. And like I said, I can tell when there's new relationship energy and that for those of you who aren't familiar with that is basically like, you know, think about what happens when you meet someone new and you're like, Oh, yo, this person is so cool. I am on cloud nine. The serotonin is flowing in your brain. The oxytocin, which is the love hormone is just doing its thing. And you're like, I can tell when my partners are feeling something new and I just want to know where it's coming from and what's happening. So that's what I mean with communication. Like, just tell the sister what's going on right now. (laughs) But not everybody feels that way. And I know it's different. And I don't know how you feel about that, Eli, but. Yeah, and different people want different things communicated to them at different times. I've I've certainly been in relationships where people want to know if I even have a crush on someone else, mm. if it's even a possibility that something might be starting soon. Mm-hmm. And then I have other people um, where they just want to know if something happens. It's it's almost like, you know, for those of us who've been to college, you know, they say you take the professor and not the subject. It's like that. Mm. You really have to tune in to your partner's love languages, which is something that we are going to be talking about mm-hmm. um, at length um, in, a, in a different episode. Attachment styles, mm. which is another thing we're going to lean into. That's a big one. Right. And as, you know, Dr. Katrina said, communication, not just the communication style, which is important, Mm -hmm. but the types of things that they want communicated to them. I think the the thing that I have noticed as someone who's been in a non-monogamous relationship and a monogamous relationship is that there are a lot of things that are assumed in a monogamous relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they're, well, yeah, of course you, you tell me about X, Y, and Z because that is what happens when you're in a monogamous relationship. I think sometimes the rules around communication may be a little clearer because the rules are clearer in general about things relating to monogamous relationships. We, we know more or less how that script works, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so with the communication, I think I've seen a lot of relationships, monogamous and non-monogamous, I mean, real talk, go sideways because the communication piece hasn't been attended to. There are too many Mm -hmm. assumptions being made or when there is communication, it's at a point where um, emotions are heightened, people aren't listening, or it's happening in, happening in a way that is toxic and non-productive mm-hmm. because not because people are assholes or because they don't love you, but just because they might not have the tools, right? Right, which is another something that we are hoping to address in this podcast and just you know to step back and like talk process a little bit. 
our senior producer, Chris, who's wonderful, he sent me a article about compersion a few mm. days ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the author was talking about, and we'll, we'll probably link to this article in um, in the show notes and our website, but one of the things that the um, author was talking about was the fact that one of the things that we can do to support ourselves in non-monogamous relationships is to have a non-monogamous community to sort of bounce mm. things off of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's our hope that we can be your virtual non-monogamous community. You know, not everyone has access to um, a non-monogamous community. We are blessed to be here in the Pacific Northwest for, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, you know, we we have <laughs> we have the lock on serial killers, coffee, <laughs> and non-traditional relationship structures for out sure. here in these streets. But not everyone is coming from from this place. Uh, but everyone needs resources, so we definitely we we hope that you know we are that for you. Um, aside from just being kind of entertaining, but we, we hope that, <laughs> you know, we, we are able to impart some resources, um, specifically around communication. Um, and yeah, you know, we're going to talk a lot about non-monogamy, but communication, time management, mm-hmm. jealousy, these are just life things, right? Yeah, that's true. And and like Eli was saying earlier, you know, some of those things <clears throat> can be pros and cons, to, you know, one in the same, really. Like communication, being able to over-communicate with someone and like really know what's going on with you and express that to someone. Oh, man, that's cool beans when you can do that. But then on the other end of it, you know, if you have someone that really struggles with communication – then oh, that could not feel so good. And sometimes right. lack of communication can look a little bit more l- malicious than it actually is. Right. Mm. I mean, that's that's something, um, assuming good intentions. Right. That, you know, we should all be giving each other grace um, and understand that, actually two things. One, you have to understand whatever whatever this context the person is coming from. And then also, and this is tough, this is like a lifelong struggle for a lot of us, including myself, is not taking things personally. You know, like it, something can impact you, but not be about you. Hmm. Well, <laughs> okay. say that again. Right? Like, tell it. I mean, I, I've, I'm definitely like working on that as well. But, but that not being able to take things personally, I think that if you can get that down, uh, non-monogamy is going to be a lot easier <laughs> yeah. for you because there, there's going to be a certain amount of flailing that happens. When, when, um, when you were talking about NRE, I don't have NRE. I have NRA, new relationship anxiety. <laughs> okay. My experience with NRE, I don't know, have you ever, I know it's been a while. Think about the before times, before Corona, and you would go to concerts mm-hmm. and there would invariably be that one person that's dancing like they're the only person in the room, mm-hmm. flailing their arms around, hair all in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. That is NRE to me. It's that person that is flailing around mm. with just like, complete disregard Hmm. for Mm -hmm. anything and everybody going, you know, that that's happening around them. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a, um, a sore spot for me, if you will. So I, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about NRE (laughs) at length. I mean, NRE almost ended my relationship. Listen, this retrograde season that we just had was no joke. Mm Mm-hmm. It got me. It it, it got me too. I broke up with Queen B for a while because of this Mm -hmm. NRE thing. And I was like, no, I'm not here for it. Um, Mm. And also, like, to be fair, and I did, I did apologize a little bit, a lot. I definitely did have to eat some humble pie. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tastes like foot, by the way, in case you're wondering what humble pie tastes like. It's salty. Gotcha. Good Good to know. Um, But so it was an NRE situation. And what I came to realize is that I'm kind of like a gazelle, like a lone gazelle on the savanna. 
You know mm. what I mean? Like as soon as I hear a little rustle in the bushes, I have one hoof off the ground and I'm ready to go. And so mm. like once I get like those NRE, like a, a and even a hint of the NRE vibes, I'm like, oh, this person's about to lose their damn mind. I'm out of here. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> right? That's fair. People do. People really do. And I, I was prepared to just be like, let me know after the six months, after all the serotonin <laughs> has like normalized <laughs> in your brain. And then we, we can, you know, we can, we can, we can reconnect because right now I, you know, I don't know what's happening here, Yeah. but um, NRE is another one of those pros and one of those things that I would put in the pros and the cons, mm, because mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of people, NRE is something that is experienced very positively and done correctly, it could actually help your sort of pre-existing relationship, right? Because you're bringing that like good energy in, mm-hmm. you know, to your other partner. And if done right, I mean, it could be a really positive like situation, yeah. but if done wrong. Mm-hmm. Still trying to figure out how to do that one right. You know, you could be on some Aries shit and burn it down. <laughs> And Queen B is an Aries, by the way, so it all tracks. One of my partners is an Aries. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> so, so you know, there, there, there are a lot of pros and cons. For sure. And, you know, Katrina and I have been, Dr. Katrina and I have been talking about some of ours. You listening out there are going to have some of your own. And, you know, there there might be some, like with me, that you're also putting in your pros and in your cons. And, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd invite you to hit us up on Instagram and hit us up on the website and share some of your your pros and cons with us if you'd like. I, you know, I'm, I'm for one interested in, in what some other people have experienced out there in these non-monogamy mm-hmm. streets. What, what are those social media handles that everyone needs to know? They are dot, 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 at dot, 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 <laughs> and we will figure that shit out later yes. at dot com. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So for us we think it's important to make sure that we also use this platform to ensure that we're sharing all of the amazing things, all the movers and shakers, all of the artists, nonprofits, the things that are happening, events in our community, things that we think are important that you should know about. And so our hope is that with each of our episodes that we can share a little something about someone who's doing something, how they're doing it and all that good stuff. And so for this episode in particular, what we would like to share is it's about a nonprofit and this is a nonprofit spotlight on my brother's keeper. And I'm going to send it over to Eli to tell you a little bit more. All right. And the name of the pot of the charity is actually called My Brother's Keeper International. And in full disclosure, it is my mother's nonprofit. She is a doctor in New York. And after the uh, the first earthquake in Haiti, she set up this uh, medical aid to provide um, treatment and medical supplies to the folks that were um, suffering uh, due to the earthquake. And as you know, Mm. there was another earthquake recently and, you know, they Mm -hmm. weren't even fully rebuilt from the previous one. Um, So she is once again gathering supplies and personnel to fill a cargo plane and go down there and, you know, boots on the ground, um, give support in a way that is culturally appropriate. Um, as I said, my family is from the West Indies, so we're, we're very much about giving back to our people, and this this is one of those efforts. Um, so we were, we're trying to get the plane filled up with people and supplies to go down mm. there and um, yeah. help these folks rebuild and be well. So the link to um, My Brother's Keeper International will be in the show notes and on our website. And I encourage you all to visit and donate and share with your networks. 
Absolutely. Your mom sounds like the bomb. That she is quite an undertaking that is she's my taking hero. on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you, girl? Do you? <laughs> Excellent. So hopefully you all can check out My Brother's Keeper International. And if you can donate or do what you can do to help support the people in Haiti, that'd be really appreciated. And also, if you are a medical professional and would be interested in volunteering your time, that would also be much appreciated. Excellent. Okay, folks. I think that puts us at the end of this first amazing episode. This felt good. How do you feel, Eli? It felt great. It really did. And I, I hope that y'all join us next time uh, for our next episode. We're going to be leaning into something seasonal, and we're going to be talking about non-monogamy and the holidays. How do we deal with <laughs> or not deal with our families? So I hope you join right. us for that. <laughs> Peace and blessings, everybody. Bye.